podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. At all of our campuses, I might need your help today because sometimes I bring a, a message that kind of just quiets everybody because you start thinking. And so this is kind of one of those messages that, that I promise you, promise you you're going to think, but, but this preacher loves interaction. I love when somebody shouts. I love when somebody screams. I love when somebody acts like they're enjoying the message. Even if you have to fake it, it'll really really helped me this morning, especially as we get into this this morning. But I am absolutely excited about the next few moments. I believe it could be life-changing for all of us that that are in our campuses today. I'm going to share some things today that I have shared before. In fact, every year we usually try to do a series that reminds us of some core beliefs that we have here at Celebration. We, we, We like to bring to the forefront at least once a year the reason why we exist as a church. For so many church-going people, they think the church exists for just church people. But the Bible teaches us that the church doesn't exist for just church people, but rather the church exists for the world. And that's, that's so important that we, we grasp that as a ministry so that we, we're, we're on assignment and we're, we're focused. You see, the church is the hope of the world. And we truly, according to the Bible, exist for the purpose of reaching lost people. Reaching lost people. Now, now I know what you're thinking. There's some of you already, you're already tuning out. And I I beg of you not to tune me out and start doing Google search and, and taking this time to just focus on what you want to focus because you don't think what I'm getting ready to talk about is going to help you because I'm here to tell you that what we're getting ready to talk about is, is really where your help is. The Bible says that he who wins souls is wise. And, and the reason why it's wise is because there's, 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 there's promises that you access that you will no way ever access until you get on mission with what God's concerned about, and that is winning and reaching lost people to Jesus. A couple of years ago, I, I talked about the rewards of a soul winner. I found, I found over 17 specific promises that God has made to a person that will get on assignment with God. And the reason why we dismiss a service like this is because we don't think that it really matters or it really helps our situation. But listen to this preacher this morning. There's three specific things that take place when you get committed to reaching lost people. I call them the, the three the three P's. You access, number one, power. You access, number two, provision. And you access, number three, protection. Those are the answer to everything that is going on in your life right now. If you want the answer, it is found when you get on mission with doing what God has called you to do. It will bring power into your life. It'll bring God's provision into your life. It'll bring God's protection into your life. And I think a lot of people are praying and begging, trying to get God to do those things. And God is saying, I told you how to do it. I told you how to access those things. Get on mission with reaching lost people. So here's the big idea today. 
out of all the things that could matter, hear it, lost lives matter most. You know, we're not saying that other things don't matter, but we're just saying out of all the things that could matter, lost lives, when, when, when it comes to, to God, lost lives matter most. Let me begin by telling you the story of Amber. In 1996, a little nine-year-old girl named Amber, along with her little five-year-old brother named Ricky, went to Arlington, Texas to visit their grandparents. Their, their grandparents had, had gotten bicycles so that when the grandkids would come out, they would have bikes to ride around the neighborhood. So you, so you can imagine the grandkids get there, they're excited about riding their their bikes, and so they asked if they could ride around the block. The grandparents who had lived in that neighborhood all their life says, okay, you can go around the block. You can only go once around the block, but we need you to stay together. The kids rode off, and a short time later, Ricky comes back by himself without Amber. The grandfather asks, where's Amber? Oh, Amber decided to go another time around the block. I, I told you to stay together, the grandfather said. And so the grandfather waited a few moments and then a few moments more and then a few moments more. And about 10 minutes, he decides to get into his truck and to try to find Amber. So he, he, he drives around the block and Amber is nowhere to be found and drives around the block again and still no Amber. He's, he starts to broaden his search and Starts driving around the neighborhood, and Amber is still nowhere to be found. Uh, he finally found the abandoned bike, and um, four days later, they found her lifeless body discarded in a ditch outside of town. Why am I telling you the story of Amber? Because all of you know Amber by its name. You see, any time a child goes missing, you will see Amber Alerts. They're all over television. They'll be on the freeway signs. They'll be on your mobile devices. And the Amber Alert is an urgent sound that is saying, whatever you're doing, you need to stop and be alert because there's really nothing else that matters at that moment because a child has gone missing. There is a child that is lost, and we need your help to find the lost child. I'm here today to tell you that there is an urgent sound from heaven, because heaven is concerned about God's lost kids. And if I could be so bold with you to say heaven is sounding the alert that nothing else really matters in your life like the lost lives of God's kids. You see, heaven knows that if they are not found, they will be lost for eternity. The Bible teaches us that lost people are people who have no relationship with Jesus. They are people who have not put their trust in Jesus to be uh, their Lord and their Savior. And the Bible is clear. Listen, the Bible's clear that if you die without that relationship with Jesus, you will be lost for an eternity. John three thirty six says it like this, and all who trust him 
God's Son to save them have eternal life. Those who don't believe and obey him shall never see heaven. It goes on to say in that verse that they will experience eternal judgment. It's pretty sobering when you realize it is a life and death situation with lost people. You know, Paul uh, uh, said this to the church-going people, the believers of his day, to remind them how serious of an issue this is. He says, remember that in those days, in Ephesians 2.12, that you were living utterly apart from Christ. You were enemies of God's children, and he had promised you no help. Hear it. You were lost without God, without hope. Without, see, that's the condition of our world. Without God, without Jesus, there is no hope. I don't care if you put Donald Trump as your president. There is still no The White House will not bring us hope. The hope is found in Jesus Christ. And people that don't have Jesus, Paul says they are without hope. Have you ever thought about how many lost people there are on this earth right now? They tell us that there's 7 billion people on planet earth right now. And they also tell us that there is about 2 billion. Now that's, that's, I believe they're being quite liberal in that number because if you say you're a Christian and everybody seems to say they're a Christian, they say there's about 2 billion of those that everybody says, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. There's about 2 billion. It's probably a lot less, but we'll give it to them. They say there's 2 billion believers, Christians on this earth right now, people that say they're Christians. So that would mean, listen, that would mean if you do the math that there is 5 billion people on this planet, that if Jesus returned right now, would spend eternity in hell without God. Wow. Now, here's the, here's the case. I can't see you there in Madeira, and I can't see you there in Fresno, but I know what happened here in Clovis. Nothing. Nobody flinched. Nobody gasped for air. Nobody fell out of their chair like, whoa, really? Really? Wow, five billion people? No, why? Because there's something about that number that really doesn't mess with us. But, but I would like to submit to you today um, that that really messes with God, that, that he doesn't like even hearing that. Now, now I, I really think that the reason why 5 billion lost people doesn't affect us is because it's really hard to see it. It's really hard to fathom that, to, to really get a reality check of that. So what does 5 billion people look like? 5 billion lost people look like? Well, in Larry Stockstill's book, he's a, he's a powerful pastor in Louisiana that wrote a book years ago. He, he, he could see that there was a disconnect when you talk about lost people. So he came up with an illustration to help people 
connect with that many people. And I've used this illustration before. I want to use it again to try to help us connect with, with what 5 billion people really looks like. You know, if you made a line of 5 billion people and you lined them up in a single file line, I mean, they're touching each other, heel to toe, chest to back. We would start here in Clovis. You in there in Fresno, you start there. In Madeira, you could start there and you could start lining those 5 billion people up. And do you know those 5 billion would, 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 would cross over the whole part of the whole of the United States, and it would extend all the way to the East Coast. Can you believe that, right? If you started the line right here in Clovis, if you started the line right there in Fresno, right there in Madeira, that line would extend all, five billion, would extend all the way to the East Coast. That, that's, a, that's a long ways. But, but, but here's the problem. There'd still be people to put in that line. So that line would need to Continuing, it would stretch across the Atlantic Ocean all the way to the continent of Africa. And when you got to the continent of Africa, guess what? There would still be people, 5 billion, that would still need to get into that line. So you would have to extend it across Africa and across the Middle East, across the northern part of India and the southern part of China until you actually would come to the Pacific Rim or what we know as the Pacific Ocean. I mean, we, we, we left one ocean, now we're back at the other ocean, and, 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 and that's what 5 billion people looks like. Uh, they're, they're lined up in a single file line, toe to heel, chest to back, lined up. But when you come to the Pacific Ocean, there would still be people that would need to be put in that line. So you would have to extend that line all the way across the Pacific Ocean that would eventually then come back to the west coast of California here. And that line would continue to come until it met right back here in Clovis, right there in Fresno and right there in Madeira until the line touched the line one entire time around the globe, five billion people. But here's the truth. There would still be people that we need to put in that line. And so not only would it go around the globe one time, two times, five times, ten times, even after 15 times, there would be people we need to put in that line 20 times and 25 times and 30 times, and there still be people that we would need to put in that line. 35 times, and not even 35 times. You know how many times around this globe it would take to fit 5 billion lost people? 37 lines around the globe. You know, when you really see it like that, it, it's, it's really different isn't it? Wow, wow, wow. You know, it's our human nature to think about ourselves and not others. I don't wake up every moment, every morning, excuse me, in every moment too. I don't wake up every moment thinking about 37 lines. So maybe this message is really for me today. But, but I, don't, I don't wake up thinking about 37 lines around the globe of lost people that if they don't find Jesus are going to be lost for eternity because it's in my human nature and, and I would be so brave and bold enough to say it's in your human nature 
for us not to think about others, we just usually think about ourselves. We think about, you know, our jobs and our work, and we think about our relationships and where we're going today, and we think about our lunch and our, our dinner, and, and we're, going, we're thinking about what we're going to do today. And, and I know it's quiet here, but I got to tell you, as your pastor, it's my job to remind you what matters most. Thank you. Thank you for those three hand claps. That's exciting. But, but this, is really, this is really what matters. You see, it's the 37 lines around this earth that needs to move us, that needs to concern us. I guess my point is it's just so easy not to see what really matters in life. You know, Jesus' own disciples, they... They, they even did. These are the followers of Christ. Je- Jesus lived his life with these guys, and they didn't even see it. They, they, they had the same struggle that we all have. In fact, the Bible tells a story about Jesus who, who met a woman at a well. We all know the story. It's a, the Samaritan woman, and she's come to get water. She's the outcast of, of the community of the city, and, and Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. And by the end of the conversation, her life is radically transformed. I mean, I mean, God has, has touched this lady. She is just besides herself. God's read her mail, and he says, hey, I can give you water that you'll never thirst again. And it's, it's, it's at that moment that the disciples who, who had been away on an errand come back and they see Jesus talking to this woman and they're really surprised. And we read it here in John 4, verse 27. We pick up the story. At that time, his disciples returned and they were surprised that he was talking to a woman, but none of them asked him, that's important, none of them asked him, what do you want from her or why are you talking to her? None of them, the Bible says, none of them ask. And the reason why, they, they did, these would have been great questions. Hey, Jesus, what are you doing? Well, why are you talking to this, this, this woman? That had been great, a great question to ask, but they did not ask. And the reason why they didn't ask is because the truth is they really didn't care. And that's the reason why I'm, I'm teaching this to you This morning, the story continues in verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman who's been transformed by an encounter with Jesus, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they came out of the the town. They came out of the town. Catch it. They came out of the town and made their way towards him. So she goes back to the town. She tells the town about Jesus, and the whole town comes out of the town. Wow. I want you to get the picture. Jesus is, is, is at the well with his disciples, and now you've got this whole town coming out of the town, and they're coming to see Jesus. And notice what the disciples say next. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi... Eat something. Wow. Meanwhile, in other words, while the town is coming out of the town to meet Jesus, they're saying, hey, Jesus, we need to go to McDonald's. We, we need to go get a Big Mac. We need to get something to eat. I mean, really? You're, you're thinking about a Big Mac and we got a whole town coming out of the town to see You see, Jesus is probably thinking at that moment, you know, I reached out to her 
Uh, and I knew if I reached out to her, she'd go back to her town and the whole town would come and I'd be able to, I'd be able to reach out to them. And, and now the disciples, they're really going to push the issue here. John 4, 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know nothing about. So Jesus is trying to bring correction. He's using a metaphor here to help them see what they're missing. Hear it, hear it, hear it. Jesus is using a metaphor to help them, to awaken them, to see what they are missing because they're not seeing what they need to be seeing. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I'm really excited about the town that's coming to meet me. I'm really fired up. I'm really, we can go to McDonald's later, but really what's nourishing me right now is this town that is coming to to meet me. And, And they completely miss it. They miss the metaphor because here's what they say next in verse 33. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Like, like did somebody bring him a happy meal and we didn't see it? They are clueless to what is going on around them. They completely missed it. My point is, I'm just trying to show you that they're not seeing what they should be seeing. All they can think about is Denny's. All they can think about is their life, their retirement, their family, their home, their business, their job. And so now Jesus is going to bring some correction. He's going to get stern with them. Notice what he says. Verse 34, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In other words, please hear it today. In other words, Jesus is saying, guys, Christ followers, hello out there. Christ followers, we're not just talking, in case you don't know, we're not just talking about the 12 disciples, we're talking about myself, and we're talking about you this morning and all of our campuses. Jesus is saying, hey guys, what I'm really passionate about, what I woke up thinking about this morning are all these lost people in this city. And Jesus is telling them, I am here to finish the work. What is the work that he's trying to finish? 37 lines around the globe. Jesus said of his mission, he says, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. And Jesus' final words before he went back to the Father is he gave you authority to carry out that mission to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus is saying, hey, guys, church. I hope you know why you exist. It's to stay on mission. It's about 37 lines. It's not that your job doesn't matter. It's not that your family doesn't matter. It's not that Wendy's mad doesn't matter. It's just that there's some things that matter more. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, you believe that? Jesus continues to go on here. He says, Verse 35, don't you have a saying? In other words, you guys are always saying this. It's still four months until harvest. In other words, in today's vernacular, Jesus is saying, here's your guys' problem. You keep saying, we'll do this another day. You, you keep saying, we can always reach people some other day. You know, uh, you know that we pay the pastor to reach people. I'm busy, right? You keep saying, forget the town. Let's go to lunch today. You keep putting... You keep putting off the city thing. You keep putting off the town thing. You keep putting off the lost thing. You keep putting off the 37 lines around 
the globe. And I want you to catch it here. Here's what he says, the end part of that verse. I tell you, verse, verse 35, I tell you, and I want to set all of our campuses to read the next three words together. Come on, read it out loud. I tell you, open your eyes. Open your eyes. I want to do it one more time. I want us all to say that, those three words. Open your eyes at all of our campuses. Ready? Let's say that. Open your eyes. And look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Jesus is saying, you keep talking about lunch, and I'm telling you, there's a harvest. There's an amber alert. There's lost people to be reached. I'm just saying, what God is thinking about is that which is lost. And hear me today, to God... The lost are not just non-Christians to him. To us, that's what we think. Ah, oh, that's just non-Christians. To the lost, to God, those are his lost kids. Those are his lost kids for God's love the world. I don't know if you've ever lost your kid or kids. <laughs> Thank God I'm at the age that all my kids are lost. It's a beautiful thing. I talked about that already. At the age of 18, it's time for them to get lost. Hello. But you know, as we were raising our kids, there were times we would lose our kids. It's like, man, if they had the laws they have today, me and my wife would probably be in prison. I mean, crazy. <laughs> I remember a time that, that, that Charissa, at the, about, about the age, our, our girl, we had two boys and a daughter, and she was about the age of seven. We went to Disneyland, and somehow we lost her. It's like, how do you lose your six- and seven-year-old? And Well, you can tell we found her. <laughs> She's given us a great grandchild, married a mighty man of God. And uh, I'm glad we found her. Uh, another time, uh, my, my youngest son, he was up here leading worship here at the Clovis site. At the age of two, we, we actually were in a mall. It was after... It was right around Christmas time. We were out visiting family, and, and a whole big group of us went into the mall. The mall was packed, and we went into a particular store, and we're shopping, and we bought what we needed to buy, and we come out of the store, and we're looking for Drew, and Drew's nowhere to be found. I mean, he's just two years old. Um, I'm being reminded again because I have a granddaughter that's two years old, and you've got to keep your eye on her because she'll, she'll be gone in an instant, and that's what... That's what Drew did at two years old. For some reason, thought, I'm out of here, and took off. And uh, we go back into the store, and we can't find him anywhere in the store. We go to the clerks, and they say, hey, we haven't seen him. And so they call security. They get security going, and we fan out throughout the mall. The mall is absolutely packed. And we looked everywhere, and, and about 10 to 15 minutes go by. And, you know, it's crazy because... Um, when 15 minutes goes by and you, you haven't found your, your son, that seems like an hour. That, that, seems like, that seems like two hours. And so that panic feeling began to set in, that, that desperation began to set in. And, and I can remember that mall. It's, it's full of people. And what's amazing at that moment, I'm desperate, I'm panicking. But yet all the people in the mall, they're laughing. 
They're, they're, they're buying. They're, they've got Starbucks in hand, and they're enjoying their life, just having a good time. And it seemed as if, to me, they could have cared less about my lost son. And it's in that moment that their inactivity kind of bothered me just a little bit. I wonder sometimes if our inactivity kind of bothers our father. This is what I've lost. I'm getting ready to close. This is what I've, this is what I've learned about lost things. When, when you lose something, you don't think about found things. Think about that. When you lose something, you don't think about found things. In other words, if you lose your, your, your car keys, you don't go, oh, that's okay. I still have my wallet. Right? So when Drew was missing, I didn't say, you know what? I'm sure glad we had three kids because, hey, got two more. We're good. That? No, in fact, here's what I've learned about lost things. Those other two kids at the moment that were found really didn't matter a whole lot. All I cared about was the lost son. And God forbid if one of my kids at that moment came up to me and said, Hey, Dad, what are we going to eat for lunch? Like, really? Lunch. Drew's missing. We got to find True, and sometimes I think our religious activity, our religious activity that we do, come on, let's be real, our religious activity that we do seems like to God, like we don't really care, doesn't really matter. And I think God is just saying, I need you to see what I see. And and I don't always do this, but it was my desire today that I didn't talk to your head, but that we just had a heart-to-heart talk about why, why celebration even exists in this community, why we even do what we do. And I'm convinced, church, listen, as we close this thing out, I'm convinced that if Jesus could stand on this stage today and talk to all three of our campuses, I'm convinced that he would say, I wish you could see what I see. I wish you could see Fresno, and I wish you could see Clovis, and I wish you could see Madeira, and Sanger, and Selma, and Reedley, and Kingsburg, and Chowchilla, and the list could go on and on and on. I think Jesus would say, I wish you could see the Central Valley like I do. I wish you could see your neighbors like I do. I wish you could see your coworkers like I do. I wish you could see your classmates like I do. I really think that Jesus would tell his church, Open your eyes. Because I think we all have a tendency to focus on lunch when God has a whole town he wants to reach. So who's out there? Huh? Who's out there that you're driving by, moving by, going by, passing by because you're just on your way to have lunch? Hmm? And you might not feel comfortable. You might not feel comfortable leading somebody to Jesus, but here's what you can all do. You can invite them to church. And 
And I promise you, if you get them here, I promise if you get them here, we'll give the message of Christ and we'll give them an opportunity to get saved. When's the last time you reached out and just invited somebody to to service so that they could hear about Jesus? You see, this is the reason why celebration exists. We don't just exist for church people. We're here. We exist for the people who are not here yet. Why does celebration exist? We exist for the town that is coming to Jesus. I really honestly believe some of you are just a conversation away from seeing a whole city coming to Jesus. It's not about lunch. It's about a town. It's about 37 lives, 37 lines of lost lives. Now, I know you guys are great at this. You get this right. But I'm just, I, I just needed to preach to myself today because your pastor is an area I need to improve in. I, I'm the pastor. And I, I find that a lot of times in my own life, I'm just really more concerned about, about what I'm doing. God's been challenging me about, about my neighborhood and my neighbors. And, and uh, I'm driving home yesterday, and, and I, I knew what I was going to preach. And here's my neighbor out in their yard, and, and I'm thinking, lunch. Got to get home. I'm a busy man. Got things to do. And I heard the voice of God in my car. Why, why don't you stop and get to know your neighbor? And at that moment, at that moment, lunch really didn't matter anymore. In the last week, I've met a few of my neighbors that I've never met before because I'm making adjustments that that people are more important, lost people are more important than my lunch. Now, here's what I want to say. I know what you're thinking. What happened to Drew? Where's Andrew? Andrew was found. We found Andrew. Um, we found him. He's actually married. And we're believing for grandkids to come from him and Jacqueline. They've been married two years. I think, I think two years. Is it two years? I can't get no help. My family don't even stick around for my preach. Three years, my family gets tired of my preaching. They run to the back room. They're probably, they're probably at Denny's right now. <laughs> we found Andrew. Uh, well, security found Andrew. They had, um, they had him locked up with a balloon and a sucker, and he was enjoying life. And I'm here to tell you, you're getting ready to, you're getting ready to get a balloon and a sucker to somebody. I want to ask you to just bow your heads, close your eyes at all of our campuses. I've gone a little over. In just a moment, my son Nick's going to come back. He's going to give some application, and we're going to wrap up this service. But before, before we do, I want you just to, to close your eyes, and I just want you to have a moment with God. And I want you to be brave enough maybe just to ask yourself this question or ask God 
this question. Uh, God, what are you saying to me in this message at all of our campuses? Would, would you just take that moment? Would you, would you ask God? Because for all of us, it's different. For me and for you, it's, it could be different. Just ask God, God, what are you asking? What are you saying to me in this message? Lord, I pray for every person at all of our campuses. God, that you could help us to see what really matters. Help us to see our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, our city. God, help us to see that we are truly the answer to, to the 37 lines of lost lives. And Father, the lie that the enemy has sown, the deception that so many Christ followers live in, that, 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 if, that if I do that, then what's going to happen with my life? And God, they don't see the connection that it acts, accesses your protection and your power and your provision. That, Father, truly the answer to what they need is found and not them seeing their own stuff and their own problems, but it's found as they see the lost lives. And I pray, God, that, that every person in the sound of my voice, this message would go deep on the inside of them that it'd be a life-changing moment that we would live the rest of our lives for what matters most. I'm going to ask you just to remain in an attitude of prayer with eyes closed, heads bowed, and Clovis here, Fresno, Madeira. Listen, maybe you're here and you are one of those individuals that is a lost life. You make up those 37 lines before I close this service, before we transition and Nick comes and gives application to this service, if you're here in Clovis or there in Madeira or there in Fresno, if you're a lost life, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never confessed, and the Bible says all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've not done that, or maybe you've done that at one time, but you're not living for God and you need to rededicate your life, My believers are praying at all of our locations. If that's you, would you be so boldly to raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Would you lead me in that prayer? Hands going up all over this auditorium. Just hold them up for a minute. Come on, hold them up. Hands all over this auditorium in every section. I believe there's hands in all of our locations. You can put your hands down. I want to ask you to pray this prayer. In fact, everybody in all of our locations, pray this prayer loud and clear. This is so exciting. Come on, are you excited this morning? Come on, do you receive this message this morning? Come on, has this helped anybody this morning? Come on, let's all pray this prayer. Say, Father God, today I give you my life. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And today I receive him as my Lord and Savior. Father, forgive me of all my sins. And with your help, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.